As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. James Moore got 0.03% of the vote and I, I won't make you do the maths, that's one person. Right. With 0.06% of the vote, rounded up to 0.1% on Google Forms, Danny Kelly. Yeah. Two votes. Right. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to The View from the Lane. Turning out, it is actually the Tottenham Hotspur podcaster from The Athletic. I'm your host, Danny Kelly, and alongside me today, I'm delighted to say The Athletic's James Moore and Charlie Eccleshare. On this episode, we're reviewing the results of a Spurs fan survey conducted by The Athletic, to which thousands of you responded, and on various topics regarding the state of the club, the ownership and all the rest of it. I feel like I ought to exhale before we start. First of all, say hello to James and Charlie. Hi, Charlie. Hello. Hi, James. Hi, Danny. Just established our other voices. You're not listening to a monologue. This is the first one of these podcasts we've done for about six weeks where we haven't been reporting on some absolutely seismic event, either points thrown away, managers leaving, managers rants, paratici, all the rest of it. So if you'll excuse me if I exhale slightly, but also note that the results last night from Manchester United and Newcastle just show the value of the four points we threw away at St. Mary's and Goodison and how massively important those points were. But we all knew that, didn't we? Charlie Eccleshare, welcome back again. But this is not your first one. But I, I want to ask you this question as we, as I say, try and get into a, a more tranquil water this week. It won't do. We're going to talk about season tickets and things like that. Charlie, you've had, uh, and congratulations on your new, new addition to your family. You've had six months away from this beat. What has been your impression? Day to day, your work has you pressed up against very close with Spurs, you know, you're, you're in the thick of it. Watching the unfolding drama over the last six months, what, what, what have been your feelings? What's it been like watching it from a distance? Well, I think for me, I'm, I'm always imagining what would it be like to be there and to cover it. And because there is always that FOMO. So from my point of view, the kind of ideal scenario for missing six months is that not a lot happens. It's pretty quiet. Good luck with that then. Yeah. I mean, but actually, I think this time... The six months I missed this time was, I, f- I felt like I was missing less than the previous time I did it for my first uh, son. That was during the, I mean, in some ways it wasn't as bad being off because that was during COVID and that weird, it was that 2021 season and it was weird and 
kind of horrible whatever but I missed the Mourinho sacking and all the Super League stuff and that I was a bit like oh that would have been I wish I was there to cover it this time around because I famously didn't miss the sacking despite James's prediction a matter of hours I mean the things I really missed were the European trips and the Conte St Mary's uh, rant I wish I'd been in the room for that because it just sounds so extraordinary but I'm more I don't know I felt like I said this to Tim and I think I said this on air a week or two ago like the games were so repetitive mm. for a period mm. like it was just that constant thing of Spurs are terrible in the first half and then either they salvage something or they don't I blame um, Tim Spears so, for that he seemed yeah. to come at exactly that moment Exactly. So I didn't envy Tim having to find new and interesting and different ways of describing basically the same thing happening. Or having to put up with me moaning about it every day. That as well, yeah. But I mean, yeah, Spurs were Spurs were a point off top when I went off. So, uh, but that happened last, that happened in 2021 as well, that they, the results fell off. Again. Yeah, early in the season, everybody's a point off top, aren't they? Um, <laughs> or better. Uh, yeah, or better. Is, is Tim a good listener to your endless griping, James? Yeah, I, I would say actually, Tim, Tim, Jack, and Charlie have probably all had have to have been good listeners. They've had to kind of adapt to that. I would say, and I'll say this mainly because I don't think Jack or Tim will listen. Char- Charlie is the best listener of the three. Uh huh. Thanks so much. And how, what do you mean I by that? What, how is he the best listener? I would say in the first in the first lockdown when Jack, when Charlie and I were talking every day, we we would spend like an hour and a half on the phone some days, literally just talking about like the Premier League table. Yeah. It got really bad. I mean, we would talk about like Sheffield United's fixtures in quite like, granular detail. Yeah, because yeah, they, do you remember they were they were in the second half of that nineteen twenty season, like a genuine rival of Tottenham's. So we'd be like, oh, but they're we've they're seen away them at off Bournemouth, yeah. <laughs> Except for the FA Cup, we've seen them off. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Well, uh, James, I would I would listen to you as well, but I don't I don't have the privilege of sharing an office with you. Let's move on. And Charlie, you're, you're very welcome back. And I, w- I, w- I mean, we haven't had a chance because of all the drama to do a proper handover here, but I want to make um, make it public. Uh, this, this is a load of self, self-important backslapping, but I'm going to do it anyway. I want to thank Tim Spears for his efforts over the last six months. For someone who's come in uh, to the club completely cold and had to watch some of the worst football ever presented to fee-paying customers, I thought he's done a great job and I, I really, really enjoyed working with him. And no doubt he'll make some uh, some occasional appearances back here. Thanks, Tim. Now, The Athletic has been doing a survey of Spurs fans or people who want to vote in the I think it's Spurs, Spurs fans. If I tell you that the article had 3,750 responses, so that is twice as many as the, highly, as the professional polling organisations consider to be a number after which you don't get any change in the percentage. 2,000 is held to be the number that polls to say, if you've got 2,000 people, you'll, you can then you can ask 200,000 people who get the same percentages. So I think it's a very interesting survey, and the numbers, to give you that bit of methodology, are really f- fascinating. We haven't, I'm not going to go through all of them. Um, but we, some of the questions were really interesting. Let's start with this one. Do you agree that the club's in better shape than it was when Daniel Levy took over in 2001? I should make the point, I had no... Nothing to do with the, with the framing of these questions. Fascinating to see that a large percentage, 44% of people, said that they were they strongly agreed the club was in a better position. And 39%, so a huge percentage, over 80%, said that the club has improved hugely since Daniel, or has improved since Daniel Levy took over. The next question, how happy are you currently with Daniel Levy is uh, the way he's running the club? And there... There's over 50% who are unhappy. 
So there's a disconnect between what's happened in the past and where we came from and where we are now. And the really big one is, do you trust Daniel Levy with on-field matters? 91.4%, 91.4% say no. So, James, I'll let, I'll let you start here. You know, you know me. I get in trouble with the with people for saying that you know you've got to give Levy some credit for for where we are, and people reflect that in your in the poll. But there is obviously unhappiness with a where where what he's doing now, and b particularly with the football side of things. And I should say two things. One, unlike you, I did have a a bearing on the way these questions were phrased. Yes, and two. On the second of those three questions that, that you just mentioned, I think you said over 50% were unhappy. And that's right, 52.1% were unhappy. But there were also another 30.1% who were very unhappy. Yes, so yes, you sorry. So bundle them together as 50, uh, huge, huge unhappiness, yes. Unhappy. It's just that the figures are so small on my computer, yeah, yeah, I struggle yeah. to read them. So good, thank you for that. No, 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 James that's fine. Ipsos Mori with the questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's what they used to call me at school, actually. Um, it's not. Uh, yeah, I found this really interesting. I mean, so, some of the numbers I, that that would be, I would I would say broadly what you would expect to hear. Yeah, so as I said, eighty-two point two percent unhappy or very happy with Levy's running of the club. Very unhappy. Seventy-nine percent. Sorry, did I say very happy? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. There you go. It's tricky, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly. Seventy-nine point seven percent less happy with the running of the club than they were a month ago, which I thought was quite interesting. Mm. I thought it was interesting to gauge whether that figure had. Uh, whether people's happiness or unhappiness had kind of swung a lot in the last uh, month, I, I kind of felt like mine had. Yeah, likewise. Uh, and I suspect, I suspect, yeah, I was just going to say, I suspect you were the same, Danny. Yeah. I mean, the one, the one that interested me actually, and I don't know if this is just me being blinded by my own opinion or by the fact that he had become available as a manager immediately before we did this poll. But forty-eight percent of the Spurs fans that did this poll wanted Nagelsmann as the next manager and on, only, quote-unquote, un, quote, only 30.4% wanted Pochettino. Well, uh, let, let, we'll come on to the managers in a second. I just wanted to get Charlie's view on this this apparent friction between recognition of what Daniel Levy has done up to now. But there is a, there is a kind of tension in there. But the up-to-date news is that people are really unhappy. I feel it's almost like how fans sometimes get with a manager who, say, has got them promoted from the championship but then in the Premier League they're really struggling and the manager seems out of their depth and it's kind of like yes we accept that we're better than where we were but we feel this guy's gone as far as he can and I think that's the sentiment of a lot of supporters which is to say yes we're better than where we were 22 years ago yes we're a proper you know footballing organisation now and we're in that big six and we're European regulars which we weren't then but in order to kick on and take the next next step, we want different owners. I think that's how a lot of people feel. And this sort of reflects that. Like, it's okay. You can both think that the club are in a much better position. And you can also think, you know, that they're not an Everton. And thank goodness for that. But also that they don't think the current ownership are going to take them to the next step. And that's kind of, you know, that's the allegation, you know, often made against Stevie, isn't it? That when there was that opportunity in a footballing sense to really kick on under Pochettino, they didn't take it. We then got onto the manager of the, uh, the the question of the manager in the poll, and you're absolutely right to point out that I would have thought that the Poch push would have been a lot stronger than thirty percent, but of course it would have been prior to Julian Nagelsmann sacking by Bayern Munich. It would have been over fifty percent, I think, and suddenly forty eight percent. Charlie think I mean the other names are have got very low ratings. Deserby ten, Thomas Frank four, Luis Enrique less than two. 
And Tim Sherwood got eight votes from people. You you people are disruptors, I believe, is the, is the current phrase. And except that this is a metaphor and not a real physical threat, you possibly need a slap across the back of the head um, when well, we meet you. Okay, okay Danny. Well, it's funny you should say that because I've scrolled down the list further than uh, our producer has on your behalf. Oh, brilliant. And I have seen... I've seen that James Moore got 0.03% of the vote. And I, I won't make you do the maths. That's one person. Right. With 0.06% of the vote, rounded up to 0.1% on Google Forms, Danny Kelly. Yeah. Two votes. Right. I can't. Now what do you think? I think it'd be ridiculous if you were the manager, less so if I was. <laughs> That's what they actually think. Because I would appoint somebody to help me on the football side and then become an evangelical figure inside the dressing room, starting what may even become a Spurs cult among the players. Um, and that, that would spread into the England squad and players previously thought immovable from their clubs would want to come and join the movement at Spurs. <laughs> Make Spurs great again, might be my, my unlikely slogan. Um, <laughs> Nagelsmann fascinates me, Charlie, because, you know, I am paid, you know, a handsome stipend to keep my eye on what goes on at places like Bayern Munich and another one of my multitudinous platforms. But I couldn't honestly tell you a million things about Nagelsmann. I know um, that he's got um, dyed eyebrows. I know that he uh, put great big screens around the pitches at Hoffenheim um, to replicate match conditions and things like that. And I've watched him play a weird variant of 4 at Bayern Munich, de defying their previous 50 years of playing two wide men and a striker. But is he just a fashionable name, Nagelsmann? Or are people perhaps more, more well-informed than they used to be and know perfectly well that he's a great coach? I don't know. I mean, obviously hard to speak for, for everyone. I think broadly speaking... You can speak for 0.1% of the poll, can't you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. I think broadly his appeal is that he's he combines being kind of tactically innovative with also having had success and he's young so it kind of it doesn't feel like you're going for another grizzled win now man you know he's got a bit he's got the youth aspect and also hopefully he's going to come and play something more sophisticated than 343 three, week in week out and i think some people just i just on the kind of the fact that he's more popular than pochettino i think for some it's almost like we've gone... I think if we'd done it in 2021, I think Poch, Pochettino would still be the overwhelming favourite. I think now there's a sense of, well, we haven't got him back. He hasn't come back. Has too much time passed. Should we be? Should we all try and be move, moving on with our lives? Yeah, I mean, he he is a kind of... Um, James, the position of Pochettino at the moment is that he, he is almost... I hate to put this. He's on the back burner, isn't he? You know, as as other managers come and go... Uh, declare themselves not interested. Their agent suddenly says they are interested. He becomes less or more important. I would say if, if they lose against Brighton, the clamour for something to be done, and he is there, and he is familiar, and although... I, I mean, we all get the danger, don't we, of, of a, second, a second coming, but he will he will move into more focus. If Julian Nagsman suddenly says, I'm sorry, I'm going to manage Walsall, I want a real challenge, uh, I cannot wait to start at the best cop next week, um, I've always wanted to pull on the, the Bescott training top. Then suddenly Pochettino will be 70% again, won't he? Yeah, or, or, or more or more likely he goes to Chelsea or it's confirmed Ancelotti's leaving Real Madrid mm -hmm. and, and he goes sure. there or, or whatever else. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, that, that, that could change incredibly quickly. And I do agree with what you're saying. It does kind of feel like Pochettino is an option that is being kind of kept safely stowed away 
you know, in case of emer- in case of emergency, break glass and bring back Pochettino and lemons. Oh, the lemons. Oh, I, I, yeah, it does seem to me like the greatest manager in the modern history of the club. And by modern history, I'm going back to the last 30 years, just for the sake yeah, of sure. my, own, my own personal experience and context. Would be would be kind of a second choice, but I I don't actually think it's necessarily a bad thing to be looking at all the options. No, no, I think I think they have to do due diligence, and if they come up with the idea eventually that the Pochettino is the best man for it, then so be it. But let, let us not. I mean, I, you know, I'd be perfectly happy to see him back there, but I think you have to do the entire field. Charlie, you were almost bursting to say something there. Well, I, I just couldn't help but think of Pochettino this week when Jurgen Klopp was talking about the fact that he is basically being saved from the sack because of everything he's done before. And he's, you know, he, he has got an immunity because he won the Premier League and the Champions League. And I remember my view at the time with Pochettino was that I did think Spurs had to make an exception from the usual rules, which are that if a manager is doing badly, it's easier to get rid of the manager than the players. And I think with time, the passage of time, that's been reinforced that he should have been in the same position that Klopp is now that almost you almost have to accept well even if this season's terrible uh you know Liverpool had that ropey um lockdown season as well as this one but you say okay that that might happen but you've you've bought yourself pretty much immunity from being sacked that that lockdown se- sorry I know this isn't a Liverpool podcast but that lockdown season is probably what's bought him the immunity more than anything because if you remember they were dreadful through to about this point and then won the last like 10 games. They and, came third in the end. They came yeah. third, I think, in the end. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it, there, there probably is a sense. It did, I think it did feel like they were going to do that again as well a few weeks ago. I think it certainly felt like well, they put however many stupid number of goals it was past Manchester United. Seven, was it? Seven, was it? Yeah. And it kind of felt like they might be the team who would surge into the top four. But I think even if they don't salvage this season, he will still be immune. That's the point. He doesn't yeah. even need yeah, yeah, to get yeah, top yeah. four, which is, you know, and again, that's understandable. I think, I think, the, I mean, I hear what you're saying, Charlie, but when you think back, and uh, nobody is a greater lover of Pochettino than me. I mean, people will remember that while being told that uh, Antonio, that um, Mourinho was going to be a great thing, on the day he was sacked, I was on TalkSport, and I remember I slightly, I slightly blubbed. Um, but that's okay. I'm a very, very emotional man. You know, we hadn't won an away game for a year. We'd lost a Champions League home game by seven. I do, I do think he was given plenty of leeway. The problem was they hadn't reinvested in the team, and you know he's complicit in that as well. He did, you know, he said he, he, he complicit in that as well. I don't think um, he was that badly treated by Spurs. I think it, it probably was, given those circumstances, due. But listen, we're raking over old grounds here, and I want to get on something really important that came out of the poll. Now, of course, I think this is important because it backs up my own view, but also because it's nearly four thousand people. It is reality. The most important question in all of this, in some ways, was when it comes to the new manager, what matters most? And in third place, with 23% of the vote, was winning trophies. Yes, everyone else in the media, in third place, with less than a quarter of the entire vote, was winning trophies among the Spurs supporters. In second place, with roughly, again, about a quarter of the vote, a sense of togetherness. Of course, at the moment, it's a rudderless and divided ship, so that would be it. And with, you know, 51 52% style of play, everyone is entitled to their opinion. The very vocal voices saying that it, style of play doesn't matter, it is about winning trophies, are entitled to their opinion. But what I have to get through to the more people who have breeze blocks instead of heads is that those loud voices are not the majority among Spurs fans. The tradition 
which seems to be now passed down to through three generations, is that we want to see some decent football. And, James, the poll there, 75% of people you know, vote for something other than winning trophies. I mean, it's as clear as day that whatever the professional balloon poppers on media and television want to say, seeing some decent football is still the Spurs way. That's the, and, and Levy, whoever wrote that speech for him two years ago, which he has torn up by appointing defensive managers, they knew what, what the general consensus would be. I mean, it's fuzzy and it's it's feel good and all the rest of it, but it is it is the way Spurs fans think. I, I mean, to be honest, my biggest regret of this poll, other than you getting more votes from me... Don't regret that. That was inevitable. You can't do anything um, about that. It, it is that I, I overcomplicated this question and now I wish it had just been trophies versus style of play. I think I think it would have made it a slightly cleaner and more mm-hmm. telling uh, response. But I'm interested to so many people thought that the really mushy thing of like the sense of t- togetherness that we kind of talked about as being a big thing. People always vote for love. People always ago. vote for love, James. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I do think there's a bit of a shame to not get quite as clear-cut an answer. But that is interesting that still over, over half of the people that voted vote specifically said style of play and the thing you have to bear in mind obviously is those two things can go hand in hand yeah they can it's not impossible oh oh and i would argue increasingly given the changes in the rules over the years they almost certainly do go hand in hand the outlook um, i mean who's who, which are there any teams that have won a decent number of trophies in the last like five or six years that don't play good football atletico madrid well, I mean, they're, they're sort of tailing uh, off No, now. no. Uh, I mean, you're right. They, they won the league two yeah, years ago. No, no. Right? And, and they've yeah. been in Champions League finals playing dire, defensive. I mean, there's part of me who watched football in the 70s that loves it to watch, you know, Casanaggio and man-for-man marking and all the rest of it. But the game really has moved on. And even Diego Simeone, arguably the most secure manager in world football, certainly one of the highest paid, has tried to play more expansive football this season. And... It's working. They they had a difficult transition period, but they are now the informed team in Spain, Atletico Madrid. Do you, do you want me to try and find out whether people add, said Simeone for this? Because I think that's quite interesting. Yeah. Well, I, I what what I would say on that, Danny, you can't you can't now really win the Premier League with less than ninety points, and it's very very difficult to get. 90 plus points playing in a reactive way. You look at the teams who've won the league since since Chelsea won it under Conte in the five seasons since then. It was City, I think City won it four times, Liverpool won it once. And they play in an extremely front-footed, proactive way. And actually that Chelsea team, I think they got 90 points as well. And as much as they were playing three at the back under Conte, that doesn't have to be a negative way of playing. They scored a lot of goals. So really you're going to Leicester in 2016 and they won it with 80 points. And that's the last time a team won it with with what you'd say is a kind of counter-attacking way of playing. And that was a complete aberration. So I think if you, if you want to win the Premier League anyway, you do need to do it in a very front-footed kind of way. It's just, it's just not really possible otherwise now. If you want to compete with this Man City team, you're not going to get that lucky over the course of a season. You can't sit back and dig out one nils if you want to get 90-plus points. Um, and this is what, you know, I, I absolutely think not only is it possible to play attractive football uh, or if you want proactive football if you want front foot football whatever you want to talk about it and succeed or you know gather up points and win football matches I think it's almost a necessity and I'm not going to go again through my rant about VAR the edge of your own box and all the rest of it just that the circumstances they're so they're so grim now for anybody trying to play defensive football because of course Italy's the classic example they prided themselves it was their national game defensive football and as television took hold 
and their contracts weren't matching the Premier League, one of the things that was said was, well, the product is just not watchable. And now, if you look at Italian football, they're all trying to get on the front foot, dominate possession and territory, all of them. And then you get the smaller teams, the mid-table teams, who started to play some wonderful football because that's what they've got. They're not going to beat Juventus financially. And then that's why you get last season Sassuolo playing fantastic, swirling, forward-looking football. Guess who's in charge? De Zerbi. What's he done at Brighton? The same thing. Because it has to be a philosophy and not a statement of intent written by a press officer, which you then go against for the for the remainder of the season. Have you found out the, the statue wanted there, there, James? I can confirm there were five different spellings of Ruben Amarim, or Amarin, as a couple of yeah. people called him, but no votes for Diego Simeone. No, no. And uh, snubbed. Well, he, you know, it is always good to have a Johnny Cash lookalike on the on the on the on the touchline, I think, but. Um, he has tried. Bless him, he has tried. And it's, it's ended up with, with mad things like Thomas Lamar playing wing back because, you know, they're trying to be a bit more uh, forward looking. I noticed that Matt Doherty is not getting in the, in the starting lineup um, and Reggion is already consigned to the outer darkness. James, you organised the poll. Uh, would, you, would you like to round up this half but with anything else that came to your attention that I haven't focused on already? And, and, and did you think it was a worthwhile exercise? Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, the answer is yes, was, incidentally. Yeah. Yes, yes, I thought yeah. so, yes. Please do read it on The Athletic. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I think it probably did broadly tally with what I expected. But yeah, like I said, one or two things that I was surprised by, Nagelsmann over Pochettino. I, I mean, I was surprised despite despite agreeing with it by that style of play point as well. One thing that was interesting as well was that the most popular response to the decision to point Stellini was indifference. Like, <laughs> 41.6% yeah. was indifference, which... We- we should probably say most of the people that did the poll would have done it before Monday night, I would have thought. Absolutely. Yes. And I think you would yeah. have got a lot more anger about Stellini. And yeah. then yeah. you add to that you add to that Chelsea having the Hutzpah to appoint Frank Lampard for nine, ten games, whatever it is they've got left. Um, somebody who knows the club, likes the club, wants to manage there, despite what happened to him before. And I think you'd got a very different reply. Who would be Tottenham's Frank Lampard sort of? I've already said it. You know, I, you know, I can't remember said it here or on another platform. But he'd be Redknapp, wouldn't he? Get him yeah, into. Yeah, I think, to... I think that. Yeah, yeah. He'd be doing a better job if Redknapp had been in charge since the World Cup. Spurs would definitely be third. I think that's put very... that up and put it on Twitter. Yeah, I think I think I think that's very 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 likely. Charlie, do you who, can you think of anyone else who might be a Frank Lampard for Spurs? Well, I mean, Redknapp's not. A... I see what you mean with him, but he's not a direct comparison because he's not like a beloved former player, is he? I mean, would it no. not be someone like Michael Dawson, someone like that, who could sort of <laughs> Dawson, yeah, it's, a, it's a brilliant plan. I love Loves that. the club, hugely popular just, just as a player. It. Yeah, just gets it. Him, unquote, him, and, just gets him it. and Ledley sort of oh, rallying now, the troops. Hang on. Oh, let, yeah, let me yeah, just, let me just warm my hands on those, that thought. What a brilliant thing that is. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? 
Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX's Welcome to Wrexham, all new, Thursdays on FX, stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, welcome back, everybody. I'm Danny Kelly, Charlie Eccleshare, and James Moore are here with me on the View from the Lane. With very little fanfare, the club um, have put out the the notice that um, because of the adverse economic conditions affecting the fans, I noticed they put their own economic problems ahead of those of the fans in the in the press release. But let's not let's not split hairs here. They have decided to freeze the season ticket prices for 23. 23- 24. Charlie, do you think that was inevitable given all that's gone on in the last month? Uh, inevitable is... Uh, I don't know about inevitable. I think it's certainly the right decision and there was a lot of pressure and it would have been a hugely unpopular decision. It was actually something we well, asked... That's, that's, that's what I mean by inevitable. Do you think it was the pressure uh, from the results and the, the podcasts and social media? And the, said, pro- the THST, who you know, who've done really good work on this as well yeah i think they had to it it would have been a catastrophic own goal if they hadn't done it i mean as you know you hope as well it's the right thing to do so you hope that's a consideration as well not just the optics of it but it was strange that they didn't tweet it i mean i get it because they would have just met even though it's a positive or certainly it's not a negative bit of news it was just kind of buried away on their website rather than being tweeted out when you consider when you consider some of the inanities they do tweet out, that does amazing, isn't it? Really, that they didn't go to you know social media in any particular way to 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 get it going. James, I can't go every week. Charlie's a reporter. You're the one who buys a season ticket. Are you thoroughly appeased by this decision? And now all about the 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 owners and managers at Spurs. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I, I mean, look, it's still still the most expensive season to get in the Premier League, pound for pound, I think, isn't it? Because there are no so. cup games. Yeah. Not a single cup game. And it used to have two back in a day, sort of yeah, pre-Wembley. Yeah. Or maybe even at Wembley. So, yeah, it, it, I, I, no. I mean, obviously, relieved that it hasn't gone up. I think if it had gone up, it would have given me a decision to make, sort of out of principle, really. But no, I'm not. I can't say I'm like. I'm, I'm not going to praise the club for that. It's an insane ticket ticketing pricing policy. So you know, fine. I, I would congratulate the trust. If a trust have managed to uh, talk the club down from a ledge, then you know, well done. Congratulations to them and thank you. 
<laughs> but yeah, other than that, I don't really have massively positive things to say about it. No. However, in regards to the club tickets, well, attendances, you're not going some money back, Danny. You're not going to the Brighton game. No, I'm not. I, I've just taken a decision, as I think I've discussed in the podcast before. Kingstonian and my other team. What's their nickname? Sorry, has, what's their nickname? Uh, the case. Go the case. With, with yeah, a, thank you. With an apostrophe. Which is grammatically mad. Troubling, mad. Find those apostrophes weird. Yeah, the O's. It's like the O's. Yeah, yeah it's, it's the same. Yeah, but it, it, you can't say it's wrong, Charlie. Mm. No, I wouldn't dare no, say that. Not with all the Kingstonian fans it. I know who listen. I know exactly. So yeah, uh, they've K's have got a big game at the bottom of the Isthmian Premier League, home to Canvey Island, who are one of the form teams in the division. Of course, they are. Uh, sort of similar. Issues at K's in a way with like like some discontent at the way the club is run at the moment. The director of football's uh, banned as well. <laughs> Listen, hang on. While I'm enjoy while I'm enjoying the uh, the unpicking of the uh, the issues at yeah, so basically, I don't want to go. Hang on. The big news here: the gigantic anvil dropped into the mill pond of this always calm podcast. Is it you, James? Un- more more choosing not to watch Spurs this weekend. Explain yeah, yourself. Uh, I just, uh, having watched that game on Monday night, and I knew this was going to be a, like a difficult decision and I was expecting that I would go to Spurs-Brighton instead. But having watched a game on Monday night, uh, the team was just completely in flux. I think I would just find it incredibly annoying. I wouldn't enjoy myself. I'd have to schlep right across London and back. Uh, and I'd rather go and watch a game slightly closer with more friends and have a probably equally stressful time, but not have to <laughs> not have to suffer that frustration and spend enough money. So... Put my ticket on the official ticketing portal and someone has bought it. So someone else will go to the game and support the team and have a good time. I oh, know. It's all fine. No, no. It's all fine, no, no. Danny. Oh, sorry. No, no, it's entirely your decision. But this, is, this isn't for your benefit, Danny. It's for everyone else. Oh, yeah, I know. People don't want to go to to the football match. That That's entirely their look at. The issue for the owners of the club is why would somebody like James, who, you know, a man of almost preternaturally sunny disposition, why would he suddenly not want to go and watch uh, the mighty Spurs? I think they've got some questions to answer there, and I'm not being facetious. Because if, let's be fair, I am, you are, you're a fanatic. Deep yeah, down, yeah, you're yeah. a fanatic, and you're not going. It probably it probably is quite fickle, because, you know, if they were doing well, obviously I would be going. But they're not, I don't really feel like, despite 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 not being far off the top four, at the moment, mathematically, I think in terms of the direction of travel and the momentum, they're, they're kind of light years away from the top four already. It feels like it anyway. It's a big game. It's a big game for Europa League qualification. Oh yeah, we want to. We're trying to. Are we Massive trying to avoid game. the conference? I think we are. Oh, God, I've got to avoid that, Charlie. You need Christ. you need to step in here because all through last season, yeah, come on, Charlie, and it's roller coaster. Sorry, that's a, such a cliche. Um, it's it's convoluted machinations. You told myself and James to keep the faith that Spurs were going to finish fourth. Is there any prospect that you could give us similar soul balm now? Would well, you remember it was this fixture, or almost exactly the same he's point of the season? It. He's going to do it. Yes. Against Brighton. Do you remember the home game against Brighton? And I said it wasn't a must win. And I got so much stick, mainly from James. And I was right. They lost it and they still got fourth. I was right. It was not a must win game. I would say this on this occasion, I think it is a must win game. I think if they don't win it, then. The, the way it's going, especially with Newcastle and Manchester United winning on Wednesday night, do I think they'll get it? I don't. I really don't know this time. I, it, it's gonna something's gonna have to change. I'm so much less confident than I was last season. Last season they had momentum. You know, they especially by this point they were starting to put teams away. I mean, it's it it 
it just feels at this point a bit like the appointment of Kulusevsky was in form, Son was yeah, in form, yeah, yeah. Benton Kerr was in form. All those things have I gone. Mean, it didn't have all the injuries as well. Yeah, they yeah. Had mostly a fit squad. At Th- that this point. was the the equivalent weekend last year. This was coming up to the Villa game. They won four 0 off the back of beating Newcastle five one, which was probably the peak of the Conte era. I just think, yeah, at this point, a bit like the Stellini appointment, it's it's a, an act of faith. I mean, you know, you're you're just hoping maybe it will work out, despite there not being a huge amount of data to work with. And right now, it's you know, Spurs have got some hard games coming up. I mean, you look at this; the next four games is Brighton on Saturday. Then they've got Bournemouth, and yeah, you think they should win that, but then they've got Newcastle away and United at home. And then Liverpool away. Which, and then I mean, Liverpool you know, away, you, yeah. yeah. So, God, yeah, four out of the next five are games that you you wouldn't make them favourites I'd for, say certainly. The, the, the thing that that has kind of extinguished my hope the most is, and we sort of touched on this in the last two podcasts, I think, that because of the injuries and the way the squad has been put together, or, or more, more the injuries, really, there isn't really much flexibility in terms no, of... No, can't do anything. Like, the system, like who he could play, the system he could use... Even like minor tweaks, you know, he, he, he could put, again, we're going over a ground a bit. You put a third man in midfield, it would have to be Saar at the moment. Then you're taking one of Kulusevski or Son out the team. If it's Son, can Kulusevski play for the middle? You know, so it's not, there's not really much else he can do. He's probably going to play more or less the same team. Might change one of the centre-backs. Maybe. should say as well, we're recording this, I'm just about to go to Stellini's press conference and maybe when you listen to this, he'll have had positive updates on Richarlison or Sessignon or Ben Davis. Uh, if not for this weekend, then for soon. And that at least, James, would give you the option of, you know, can you play for at the back? At the moment, they can't even really, they don't really have, a, they don't have a fit left back, given that you, you can't say Perisic could really play there. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's the thing. But that's that. it's that one position that means you can't change anything else really, isn't it? There being no Sessegnon yeah. or Davis. I, I personally think you could go to a back four and play Langley at left back, but that's just me. Ah, push. That's yeah. people yeah, that, yeah, I think basically play yeah. Porro almost still as a wing back. He's he's left footed and he's and he's a defender. Why not? If they've been playing a back four all season, they wouldn't change this system to accommodate the fact they didn't yes. have a left back. Yeah. They put someone else at left back. Yeah. And, 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 I know and there's certainly there's a reason for that, a, but it's not impossible. Yeah, they're not sticking to the back three because it's been so successful, are they? Let's be truthful about no, that no, exactly. as well. You know exactly. Can I make a prediction now? Sorry, yes, because. Uh, I missed Vincent Janssen's only outfield goal. Uh, sorry, only goal from open play because I left a game against Bournemouth early to go and watch Kingston Indian game. Uh, he scored in like the 88th minute. Uh, I predict that Richarlison will be fit and will score. But this may have been completely disproven by the time this comes out because he, he could just not be fit. But if he's fit, he'll score. Also, James, that was almost... And I'll miss That him. will almost be exactly six years ago to the day. It was this... Yeah, it would have been another Isthmian Premier League. In fact, it would. I think it will be. The, the Brighton game on the weekend will be six years ago to the day of that Spurs Bournemouth game. Wow. So, so that Kingstonian Leyston game was. I think that would have been April the eighth. Wow. Well, I must admit, when I said this would be a more relaxed wow. podcast, I didn't realise it would it would pivot onto the fortunes of Kingstonian FC. The K. A lot of them do. K apostrophe S. Come on, you K apostrophe S. Very quickly. We now, of course, have an email address from which you can send, obviously, emails and voice notes, and we'll get some of your voices on future podcasts, as we did on the previous one. Um, Tom McCarthy sent us one, which I think says an amazing thing in the start. Uh, he says, Bournemouth was the following weekend, actually, the 15th rather than the 8th. Ah, okay, that's, 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 that's unsettled the Kingstonian timeline. As you are an incredibly popular podcast amongst the Spurs community, 
And Tom goes on to say, I should give me give that address. It's um, the, the email is vftl at theathletic.com, vftl at theathletic.com. He says, as you're an incredibly popular podcast amongst the Spurs community, and I believe in a position of influence among Spurs fans, which in turn has some influence in Daniel Levy's way of thinking, two requests, please. I'll read the request in a second. Tom, love the fact that we're popular and increasingly popular because I think we try and tell the truth as best we can in a passionate and in the case of certainly my colleagues, an informed way. Do I believe we have much influence with Spurs fans and, and the Spurs board? I honestly don't. Um, I think we'll do what we can and we'll make it the most interesting and entertaining Spurs stroke Kingstonian podcast that you can download. But the idea we've got influence is one I think slightly for the birds because there's a, there's a load of great Spurs content out there. Can you do two things? Can you kill the idea of Brendan Rodgers ever being the next Spurs manager? And can you big up the idea of Evan Ferguson being the ideal replacement for Harry Kane? I'll answer question two. Evan Ferguson has a load of potential, is already a very good footballer. I am, of course, in a position where I'm about to start adoring him because he plays for the Republic of Ireland and may hopefully replace the gigantic gap left in the team by Robbie Keane. But I'm not going to say a Spurs are going to get Evan Ferguson. I hate all that. Clubs are allowed to have their good players. In the same way as I hate the endless speculation about Kane's future, Harry Kane will decide what he wants to do. And for the record, right now, he looks to me like he's looking for an excuse to stay at Spurs rather than to leave. He backs up every manager. He scores the goals. He may go in the summer. Who knows? I, I doubt it myself. So I, I, I'm happy to admire Evan Ferguson, but I'm not one of those people who's endlessly trying to move players out of other clubs. Otherwise, you've got no competition. It struck me during the summer of Kane's attempts to go to Manchester City that that would have left Manchester City, correct me if I'm wrong, Charlie, with the timeline here, with Harry Kane, Phil Foden, Raheem Sterling, mm-hmm. and possibly Jack Grealish. Yeah, just that, died, yeah. Yeah, so they would have had all the England forwards at one club. Is that what you want when you start trying to move players from other clubs? It has to be competitive. It can't just be two clubs with or and I know it drives journalists mad that some somebody as talented as say Harry Kane should stay at Spurs or James Ward Prowse should stay at Southampton or Declan Rice should have another season at West Ham. But it's childish. It's Panini sticker journalism. We'll get them all onto the one page. That'll be brilliant. Grow up. Grow the fuck up, honestly. The second question is about Brendan Rodgers. Perhaps you can help me with that, Charlie. Well, two things. I think Brendan Rodgers gets a really hard time. I think because he sounds the way he does, looks the way he does, I think there's a kind of stay in your lane, pal. Don't talk about tactics. Don't acknowledge the fact that you're a really smart coach who speaks a bunch of languages. I think there's a lot to recommend, Rodgers. And I also think there's this weird thing in football by and large, 90-odd percent of managerial reigns are going to end badly, which then colours what they've done before. Look at Eddie Howe and Bournemouth. Oh, what, you're going to appoint the guy who got relegated with Bournemouth, are you? Well, yeah, he did a brilliant job with them before. Brendan Rodgers has done a brilliant job with Leicester. Yes, it's gone badly. Yes, I know he's a bit Brent. I think Brendan Rodgers is great. And on the point about Harry Kane, I think what the, the listener means is a replacement for Troy Parrott because Spurs already have a brilliant Irish striker on the books. So who needs Evan Ferguson? Um, the saddest email we got, and we're getting to the end of the show now because Charlie has to go off and confront Christian Stellini. Um, was it Russell Kaplan who just said, Tottenham makes me sad? I, I found that the hardest one of all the ones, and they poured in, keep them coming, please, to VFTL at theathletics.com. And if he'd sent us that as a voice note and his voice was, Tottenham make me sad, I, thought, I don't think I could have survived. 
I already had a tear forming on my, my fat old face. Go on. Russell, Russell, come along to uh, Kingstonian against Canvey Island instead. You'll have a great time. Um, The last one then. <laughs> There's no, no response no. to that. Just, just silence. No, to the previous one, I said the listener. I mean Tom, of course. Give you a full name. Sorry about that. And perhaps to help Russell along, and the final thing on today's podcast, I guess, is this. This is from Stephen Burnham, who says, Hi, Danny and the gang. Oh, you're my gang now. Loving that. Understandably, the mood is a little bit sombre at the moment. However, if for no other reason to try and cheer us fans up, can you give us three, and then he spoils it by putting brackets, realistic reasons to be optimistic about next season. I'll set up for one from each of you. One reason to be optimistic about next season. Tungi and Dombele is going to be like a new signing. <laughs> yes, but he's, unfortunately, he's going to be like Tango and Dombele, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't necessarily think that is true, but I guarantee one of the players who's out on loan at the moment will come back and be really good. I guarantee. And if that doesn't happen, you can come back to me by, let's say, mid-November. If that hasn't happened by mid-November, you can come back and uh, remind me that I said that and we can all have a laugh at it. I, I think that's a very, a very optimistic, good thing to say. What about you, Charlie? Well, we are normally wrong about stuff. So last this time Speak a year yourself, ago or yeah. the end of the season, we, we thought Conte Spurs were going to come third off the back of that rip-roaring end of the season and we were completely wrong. And now it's all doom and gloom. So maybe the reverse will happen. And I, I'm cl- clutching at the law of averages here. After three somewhere between poor and disastrous managerial appointments, I'm trusting that Daniel Levy will put someone in charge of the club who wants to be there, who wants to play attacking football, and who can restore some semblance of enjoyment of going to that gigantic space station of a studio, of a, of a, of a football stadium. It shouldn't be a chore. So my, my realistic optimism for next season is that, you know, going to the football ground will itself be a pleasure. You can't guarantee winning in football. That's just not possible but you should be able to guarantee that it's not the most horrible day out um, since the school took you to the National Museum of Bootmaking or whatever they did. That was a horrible, horrible day out. Finally, so you're not going to be there, James, a prediction for the Brighton game? Well, I've noticed the season was going quite well until you started making me do predictions. I'm genuinely really paranoid about this. I'm not going to do it. Okay, fine. That's good. Charlie, do you think Spurs will win at the weekend? I think 1-1. Okay, well, because um, I try and see the glass half full. an anti-climax of the podcast. Do, do you want me to do, I'll do a prediction, I'll do a prediction. Yeah. I actually think, I, I'm not saying Brighton like uh, an obliging opponent, but they, they'll try and play, which generally we like to say is like a good thing for Spurs. And I actually think Spurs will scrape a, a 1-0, which will just prolong the pain of the season. How's that? Well, uh, I mean, the reason I asked for your predictions is because we hadn't talked about the game and Charlie's got to go to the press conference and I wanted to find a quick way of dealing with the Brighton game. I think Spurs will win 5-4, Evan Ferguson will get four and Spurs <laughs> will get five is what I hope to see um, at that football ground. And then and then I'll be tweeting you at Kingstonian when you're watching a nil-nil draw in the rain. I was saying, see? Take it. You see? Take it. What have, you got, what have you got, Charlie, coming up for us in the Athletic, mate? There'll be the write-up of... Uh, those survey results. I mean, we've we've largely spoiled it, but if if you oh, things so there's a whole form. lot more things addressed. Actually, yeah, we haven't spoiled it. We've we've trailed it because there True. are there we've are a lot more you, things. Given you a taster, yeah, and then I'll be reporting on the game from Saturday, hopefully on a glorious five four win. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, our colleague Jack Pitbrook has been reflecting in the Athletic on how interesting it is that um, 
Pochettino hasn't already been at least contacted by the club and what that means. I think we've given some insight into that earlier in the the whole thing. The fan survey is the real big thing on The Athletic. And remember, if you're not already an Athletic subscriber, try to be if you can afford it. Um, and it's cheap, as I'm going to say, because there is incredible Spurs coverage. And I'm not just saying that because two of the people who produce it are sat there in front of me. Um, as well as, I mean, an unbelievable amount of other stuff. I mean, Adam Crafton's piece on the Newcastle takeover today is absolutely superb. I mean, it, it, talk about kicking the door open on a previously locked room. And I know Newcastle fans, and bless you all, are saying, oh, well, we knew all this. No, we didn't know all this, and it wasn't so clear. He's got hold of a load of emails from the government um, talking about the Premier League and their attitude to Saudi Arabia. All of that is on The Athletic. So just go to theathletic.com forward slash Pod. Sign up right now for $1.99 a month for the first 12 months. That's theathletic.com forward slash Pod. Thank you for listening. We'll be here next week. Come on, UKs. Come on, UKs.